Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Pete Matheson, who is in the south of the UK. You can tell by a southern accent. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think we have accents over here, but um, I guess everyone <laughs> says that about their own accent. I don't know. I watch a fair amount of uh, uh, British TV and movies, and uh, there's a lot of different accents. There is the further north you go. I think obviously you've got the, the Scots at the very, very northern end, and then you kind of get the Essex and the, the Manchester and those kind of places. <laughs> well, uh, the, the big thing here is that, you know, I watch mysteries, you know, from the UK, and uh, and I have to turn them up really far to, to catch everything that's going on. <laughs> so I have, I have to try to think just a little bit faster. So uh, do the translation while I watch. Um, so uh, so you used to own an MSP and you sold it recently, correct? Correct, yes, sold on the 5th of March this year. Wow, that's the day that I went home to stay. <laughs> really? Because it, it was two weeks it was two weeks later for us here in the UK. So on the 20, I think it was 24th, we all got sort you know, sent home to work from home remotely and um, closed down offices and those kind of things. So I take it all of that was in the works before uh, the pandemic and everything. And the- Very much so. Yeah, very much so. The I think the process started with, the, with everything was December, I think, last year. So... 2019 that we started the process which was a very quick turnaround still you know starting say. things in december and march is still very quick and then um we we essentially hit the go button first week in january once we had you know finalized the the kind of the deal and terms so to speak so then we had essentially two months of due diligence which again my understanding is actually that's very very quick for for due diligence in terms right. of uh, you know acquisitions and then essentially waiting uh, for the last few, well, last couple of weeks or so, I think, where everything was ready. We were just kind of you know, waiting for the date to approach. And um, and it came and it was a very interesting and surreal and weird experience. Um, one that I'll never forget, but um, loads of lessons learned. Even, you know, it's the first time we've ever gone through any form of business sale. Um, right. And so, so each time uh, you, you learn many things about it. Mergers and acquisitions are very hot in the US. Is that true in the UK as well? Uh, it, it is to us to some level. I, I don't think it's as hot because I mean we're obviously we're a much smaller country um, and there's there's less uh, businesses around here. But it's it's still a very busy area. There's lots of competition here locally in particular. Um, but it was interesting because uh, and this kind of put me on the whole process of of you know M and A and it was Datacon last year. We went to Datacon. Um, I was actually there speaking about you know, video marketing and a few other kind of bits of marketing. But one of the sessions they ran was uh, about M and A, and I kind of went there thinking. That's great. I can maybe learn some tips and tricks and maybe we can actually look at acquiring a company maybe next year in 2020 or, or something along those lines. And the, the room was full of people and they asked the question of, you know, who's looking to be acquired and who's looking to acquire? And the number of people that said that they were looking at selling was was one or two people. And that might be just because it, obviously you're in the one room with lots of your comp- competitors and maybe you don't want to tell people that you're going to sell. Exactly. So you take it with a pinch of salt. But um, but it was fairly obvious that most people in the room were looking to acquire, not be acquired. Um, much like, I mean, I, I put my hand up and say, yeah, well, I'm looking to acquire. Um, but hey-ho, obviously what happened. But um, after having gone through that and sat on that panel uh, for a while, it, we came home and 
you know, you have one of those days where you just things happen at work and the staff causing problems and customers causing problems. You just go, oh, today's, you know, today's the day. Well, let's just sell everything. We're going to move abroad and just retire and that. And um, I, I mean, everyone has those days and you, you get over them. But but this time we kind of just sat down and, and I think with that in the back of my mind, we we're just actually, what what are we trying to do here? Are we going to do this for the next 20 years? You know, is this us until traditional retirement? And we thought, yeah, we could do, but actually oh, it's 20, 20 years is a long time and we, we could do it and we'd be quite happy to do it. And we hadn't had any real issues in the last kind of decade of running the company. And we've been seeing like slow and steady and in some years kind of rapid growth. So we thought, actually, if there's a time to sell, now's probably now's probably it. We we grew out of the last recession. We I, I kind of preemptively thought that something was going to happen soon. I, I I thought a financial crash because we were way way overdue for one. Uh, not trying to avoid it, but it's just one of those things on the horizon of like, right. oh, we've yeah we've had a good you know, decades worth of of great business. Everyone has their ups and downs still, but in general, it was always on the up. And um, we thought, okay, let's. You know, if you want to kind of finish something, let's let's finish it on the top um, when we know it's in a good position. Customers and staff and everyone else, you know, it was a really really great company to to work for and work with and and, and help uh, build. Let's do it now because if we do it now, we can now enjoy ourselves and enjoy our time with the kids. We've got a five year old and a two year old, so we were thinking. Well, the original plan was to have six months off, go on a few holidays, um, see lots of the world um, before our eldest started school. Obviously, that didn't quite happen, and, and in fact, we spent a little bit too much time with the children. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. Um, but um, but we thought, okay, let's let's do this, and um, that kind of then spurred us on the journey of you know let, let, let's go and see what what we do next. And well, I think the question that came out of those initial discussions was, well, what's what's the number? Because everyone's you know ev- everyone's got that number. Um, even if when you're in the very early days, you just go, oh, it's so just a you know a few million pounds. Let's just call it a few million quid. But um, when we actually sat down and started figuring it out, you know, go, okay, well, you know. Can we pay the mortgage off? You know, how many years does that give us that we don't have to work for? Can we pay for the kids' you know, education? Whatever it is that you want to set out, and we came up with a number, and um, you're like, well, what do we do now? Like, I guess you've got to actually go and try and sell the business because you don't really know what it's worth until you actually go and find a buyer. So we went down that process, and and surprisingly, we found someone very very quickly, and we hired a an outsourced finance director who came out to to help us and figure out what was going on and and you know how to value us and gave us a few kind of here's the uppermost and lower lower kind of limit of what you should expect and it was um a, a pleasure of a process in all honesty the, the whole thing it's it wasn't anything like the uh, the horror stories that i was led to believe <laughs> <laughs> well what's interesting i think a lot of the horror stories come from before the MA frenzy and so i think People are like, there is a process now that there, you know, there are brokers who know what they're talking about. They understand this business model and so forth. So um, question, did you have to spend time in the business after the sale? Um, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but I, I legally speaking, I was in there for six months or so. So I, yeah, I think I can talk about it <laughs> in there for six months or so, basically just to, to do the transition and, you know, assist with as much as need be. And if there are any issues, then yeah, I'll, I'll be there to, to help them out. Um, it's, obviously it's the thing that no US, one really planned a, for. It's commonly a thing that the owner stays with the business for a certain period of time to make sure that the clients come over and there's a smooth transition and all that. There was, and, and it's really interesting going through the process because everyone's got a different idea of, you know, 
what they want out of it and what you want out of it. And there were options to stay in the business for a year and two years. And, you know, everyone's got the earn out options, those kind of things. Um, but, um, but, but we decided to go with, with the one we went with. I, I'm very much one of those people that I just, I'm a workaholic. Um, and I, I still understand the kind of working in the business and working on the business, but I still worked in the business and I always struggled to you know, tear myself away because I always felt that I could go and add something extra into the value of the business. If I, you know, get involved and maybe stick my nose in where it probably shouldn't be. <laughs> um, but, um, but I, I think from going through the sale and the, the way we did it was the right way because I'd, I'd easily just, you know, still be there. And, and in fact, I actually um, said this on, I think it was one of the customer phone calls when, when we're doing the handover phone calls, it was, um, you know, when, when are you going? And it's like, when they kick me out the door, <laughs> you know, was, that was kind of the impression. But, um, but because of the way everything went and the pandemic and everything, it, it changed everything, you know, dramatically. And we were going from just, you know, just a sale of a company through to the sale of a company and everyone's got to work from home. All the customers got to work from home and such a huge transition as, as everyone else in the world went through really. So it was a really interesting uh, time to go through really difficult time to go through. I imagine for, for a lot of people, um, it feels very weird sitting on this side of the fence. Um, I'm feeling very fortunate, of course, being able to actually oh, selling the business a couple of weeks I before. I wonder uh, whether the pandemic and having everybody suddenly have to work from home was actually a good opportunity for a transition where they could, your customers could see things are just going to hop right along and these guys are going to take care of us and everything's going to be good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was it was definitely good for that side of things, and and, and this is something that I, um, uh, I I definitely kind of appreciate and understand that it it was a good thing and a bad thing for, for a couple of reasons really. So it was good because you know everyone had to go from work from home, so the customers are all trying to deal with it and figure it out. The staff are all trying to deal with it and figure it out. Generally, for the staff's point of view, it's kind of business as usual because they're just working from home and doing the same job. You know, most people in IT, it's just right. go home and everything's still working, whereas you know, many people still had to figure out how to get their, you know, server-based infrastructure, remote access to it, it, it from home and everything. But um, with the sale of the business, of course, um, that then forcibly removed me from the business, so to speak. And it's it's such a weird position to be in because I felt that I shouldn't then be really checking in on people because that's the job of the, the new owners because the, right. know, that's that's what they, they bought it effectively. It's, it's their company. And I didn't want to step on toes and, and, you know, start kind of doing things when I probably shouldn't be anymore. So in a good way that helps them, I think, and, you know, everything kind of just happened and, and carried on really. But certainly from my point of view, um, I felt very, very detached from it at that point of view, because I didn't feel like I should be checking in. And, um, I, I think for all intents and purposes, all, all the staff have seen is that I've effectively sold the company and then buggered off with the money and run away, which essentially is kind of what I, I have done because, you know, obviously with the company sale and, and COVID, everyone just worked from home. So it's, uh, it is, it's a very, very bizarre situation, um, to go through, but it's got some positives, got some negatives. It's just a, yeah, very, very strange. And, uh, like I said earlier, it's lots of lesson learned for next time. And I know if I was to go through the exact same thing again, I'd know what to do next time. Uh, much right. like any business owner, do well, think once, luck. learn some lessons. Uh, good luck in another 10 years, you'll do it again. And you just got to figure out what business you're going to sell. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> So in the uh, the meantime, you've had this free time. You're sitting at home. You can't go anywhere. Uh, so you decided to invest in uh, video equipment. Uh, it was it was actually a bit before that. So I guess rolling back uh, eighteen months before we sold the business, we 
as part of our marketing, we started uh, investing a lot in in video marketing because we were seeing loads of you know, the, the big YouTubers. Um, Peter McKinnon is a massive YouTuber with you know something like eight million subscribers nowadays. I think um, the likes of MKBHD is that you know the biggest tech YouTuber on the planet. So we're seeing all these kind of famous you know personalities, whatever you want to call them, that were uh, doing this thing on YouTube and basically using video to. to grow their brand and grow the marketing and, and all these kind of things. And um, we, we saw that there was a bit of an opportunity. Like if we could kind of replicate what they were doing, but bring it into the business world somehow and, and see if we could help to market the business and grow the business through, through using video marketing. So we yeah, bought a digital camera and lights and sound equipment and, and those kind of things. It wasn't a huge investment to start with, but we, we basically committed to doing one video every single week. And we put out one video every single week for a good year. Well, literally that day until we sold the business every you know, year and a half, I think it was of doing that video marketing. And so now one of the things I, I love doing, so to speak, is, is video marketing. Cause it's, it's fun to me. It's, you know, create a video and put it on the internet and you know, it's, it's just fun. <laughs> and, um, and so since selling the business, one of the first things I said was, you know, I'd, I'd love to take the YouTube channel with me cause that's kind of my little baby now, so to right. speak. Um, now I've sold the other baby off. Uh, so video marketing, it's, it's an interesting kind of thing because you can just create a lot of fun content about things you're passionate about and it attracts people that are also interested. It also attracts people that aren't interested and have some very nasty things to say as well, being in the public um, domain. But, but generally speaking, you're kind of collecting your own audience and uh, it sounds really, it's you're kind of making yourself a celebrity. It's, it's not, but it, it's, likened to that in, in terms of kind of you know, boosting your profile and those kind of things. So uh, Actually, let's I, make sure that people know your YouTube channel. So what is that? So it's just my name. So it's Pete Matheson and it's M-A-T-H-E-S-O-N. I guess it'll be in the podcast notes or whatever. Um, but it's just, yeah, youtube.com slash Pete Matheson. So did you start out doing videos for your clients like it was, it was just for us as the business. Uh, so, so uh, as my IT company, we were doing videos and then since kind of going out by myself, I guess, essentially that's been more just actually making videos for just, just fun things like, um, you know, a new, new Apple things that have come out. So there's some tech videos in there. There's videos that are about how I, I you know, how I ran the business, how I run the business and, customer testimonials tips, just kind of things I've learned over the years and just sharing uh, the stuff that I've learned because there are other people that uh, yeah, were following the channel and were following me that I knew because they were sending me messages saying you know, how much they enjoyed the content. So I still wanted to make some content for those people that, that, that were watching and following. So it's um, an interesting mix of content and other people since now leaving, other people have now approached me to, to ask if I can do co you know, video content for them. So I'm also now working with, I think it's two possibly three uh, three other vendors and you know previously worked with them as, as suppliers for my my old it business and um and helping them with their video marketing which is just again it's just a load of fun from my point of view <laughs> <laughs> so what tips would you give it service providers who might want to get into video is this something that they should uh spend a lot of time getting buying equipment first or just get out a video first or set up their channel or you know, so it was um you could do it either. I think the, the main bit of advice is to just do video. It doesn't really matter what equipment you've got, but just put out the videos. That's kind of one part of the main advice. The way I approached it was slightly different because when I kind of do anything, I want to do the best thing and make you know, the biggest impact. So from a video point of view, it's 
we're going to go and do this better than anyone else is doing. So we're going to buy the kit. We're going to buy the lenses, the lights, the sound, like we're going to do this like properly. Um, and when I say by doing it properly, I think we only spent maybe 1500 pounds or so on, on that initial investment. So it's not a huge investment, but, um, it's more investment of time. I think when you're starting out, because you've got to get used to being on camera for a start, um, probably a lot easier nowadays because everyone's on camera with zoom and everything today, but, um, you have to get used to, used to it and comfortable. You have to write content that you want to you know, be passionate and to talk about as well. And then there's the time to edit it as well. And that's probably the biggest consumption of time. That's uh, very underappreciated to start off with. And, and people go and film the videos and they'll either try and edit it as little as possible, which then has a bit of an impact on what's actually put out at the end or they'll spend too much time editing it, get fed up with how long it's taken and never want to do it again. Right. But there are there are ways you can do that. You can obviously get um, you know, marketing apprentices and I, I don't know if you have anything like that in the States, but um, essentially people that you bring on to work for your business and train them up in the role and you get subsidized by the, the local government here to, to have those, those people on your team. Bring those people in. They can do a ton of the video editing work for you. They can also do loads of other things like sharing it around social media, cutting up into smaller clips. And uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is is probably one of the biggest well-known right. people for doing that. You know, take one bit of content, chop it up into lots of different things and, and post it everywhere. So it's there are ways of doing it, but I still didn't really... Uh, use them so much for, for those kind of weekly videos. We, we did get an apprentice and, and she was fantastic and you know, did tons of our like, marketing and email marketing and social media management and, and the videos. Uh, we also did some live streaming. So she would cut up all the live streaming videos. So it was, that was a fantastic and probably one of my uh, better decisions, uh, uh, you know, things we did when, when running the business. But oh. I think for an IT company specifically, the way I kind of approach this is that no one is really doing video marketing. Uh, I think the best probably example I can see is uh, Tom Lawrence, um, Lawrence Systems. Right. You know, he's got 100 and something subscribe, 100 and something thousand subscribers. Um, he's taken a very technical approach of you know sitting down and here's go, let's go through the latest Ubiquiti kit. Let's uh, again some of the business advice. Here's how I price certain things. So that's one kind of one way of doing it. But um, no one else is really doing it. So if you can do it and kind of just get over yourself really is, is, is what you need to say to people, I think. And, um, and people worrying about being on camera and that, that's what started me off as I hate being on camera. I, I absolutely detested putting my face out there. What if people from my school and college, uh, from back in the year, see me and think I'm an idiot or, you know, all those kind of things. But this was for the, for the business. And if I can just get over myself and do that, then that could take my business to the next level. So that's kind of my approach in when, when people are saying, you know, Oh, I don't, you don't want to be on camera. It's just like, okay, fair enough. But if you can just think of what it could do to you because no one else is doing it yet. Right. So, um, do you think that uh, business owners, uh, small business owners are like on YouTube looking for technical advice? They are indeed. Um, and it's, it's not even necessarily just the business owners, um, but certainly the staff as well. Um, but I always found that if you're making good content and you know, entertaining content, if you can do, uh, even if you, I don't think I've got personality, but I've done, done some really silly things in front of a camera that when you cut up into a video, it kind of looks okay. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but yes, yeah, we, uh, for, for us doing the videos, it grew the brand and I never really understand what, you know, brand building was and, you know, yes, you have the same colors and everything and, you know, have the same logo and all these kind of things. But when you start going to networking events and, and people are approaching you saying, oh, I know all about you. I've watched all your videos, love your brand. You kind of sat there going, ah, oh, we've got a brand, have we? Okay, cool. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, and it just slowly builds up from there. And 
And it, it caught me by surprise, I think, because we started receiving letters and posts and I had like gifts and things posted through um, from other IT business owners to thank me for the YouTube channel and the content we were putting out because it wasn't wow. just the standard content of this is, and we started off by doing this. This is, you know, antivirus. This is why you should have antivirus. This is email security, cyber protection. It's, you know, all these kind of things that you need, which I think they got me comfortable in front of a camera, but also in each one, we'd share a little bit, you know, about us. People would get to see inside the building, get to see the offices, how we work. Um, I think I made one video that was, I didn't think it was anything special. It was just about our, you know, how our staff benefits, you know, how staff are treated, things like we pay staff on time all the time. We've never been late paying staff and, you know, they, they've got a fridge full of drinks that they can help themselves to throughout the day. It's, it's these kind of things and, you know, made videos about those. But surprisingly, the number of people that are working in jobs that they don't get paid on time and, and they, they don't get these kind of things that I think aren't really, you know, anything special. We had, um, a sudden influx of CVs through for, for a good few weeks or so after posting that video that I wasn't That's expecting. So it has impacts on all sorts of different areas that, you know, you think you're just putting out videos to get business and it does get you business in a certain way, but it also has you know, impacts on completely other areas that you're not expecting whatsoever. And that's what then kind of helps me lead on to what I'm doing now with, uh, so I'm doing like some, come some kind of business coaching, which I hate the phrase business coach. I you know, don't like the terminology and I'm not a business coach cause I, I just don't feel like I'm qualified enough. But, um, but again, leading through the, the video marketing side of things. So we've exited the business. I'm still doing the video marketing. I put out, I think it was like two LinkedIn posts just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. Like if anyone wants to work with you know, me, I've, I've built and grown an MSP and sold it and blah, 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 and those kind of things. And I had, I think it was 25 people book a phone call off the back of those two posts. Wow. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't have the video marketing, the YouTube channel, because I wouldn't know half those people. Right. And I've so, never sold so, IT that quickly. If I could, if I could sell IT that quick, that'd be cra crazy and amazing. But, uh, but it, it just goes to show that video marketing does have its place and it, it can really, really work. Right. Well, it's interesting because I think that when you do enough video, you relax and your brand is everything you do in your business. Right. So when you, you know, give people a little peek about how you treat employees or how you make decisions or whatever, um, they begin to see who you really are. And so it's one thing to stand up and say, here's my advice, do this, 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 this. It's another thing to just relax and then people get to see what's really going on. And so I, I think when people talk about your brand, that's what they mean. The, the, the really exactly. that eventually works its way through in the videos. I remember so. making one video that was about, I think it was about our USP, you know, what makes you special. And I stupidly said, well, because we're not going to sell the business. We're never going to sell the business. This is me until retirement. <laughs> I think I took that video down shortly after <laughs> making that decision. It's one of those things you just, you just never really know. And, um, and, and I was you know, adamant we weren't going to sell at that point. So it's just, uh, yeah, things change. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So have you put down, have you uh, uh, taken down very many videos or is that kind of the only one? I think that was the only one. Uh, so we, we, we've left all the, uh, I, I was essentially taking the channel over and turned it into my name. So there's still all the old videos on there. Um, I think they were still being linked through and posted through from lots of the marketing side of things. So I, yeah, I'm quite happy to leave all that stuff going there as well and um, just, just carried on with it. So they're all still there. And that was the only one to date that I've taken down, I think. So yes. The, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'll put uh, coaching in, in quotation marks. So the coaching that you do that you don't want to call coaching, um, is it on 
<clears throat> video marketing or is it on running an MSP or uh, you're just getting started and it's on whatever people ask you questions about or? It's, it's kind of all the above. Um, I've, I've got my own and I'm kind of putting it together as, as we go through this, but I'm kind of putting together my own program of, well, if, if I'm, if someone sat there staring at me blankly, then I've got a few things that, you know, I would do. There are certain things that I would do in a certain order, you know, looking at uh, obviously building your service desk and how you build the teams and structure the business to how, to how you manage your finances to yes, how the marketing works and maybe look at video marketing. So there's a whole kind of process that I've got there. But on the other hand, if people are coming to me and they say, you know, oh, I've had this happen this week and, this member of staff's done this, you know, all, all those kind of things that, that do crop up in, in normal business. Um, I'm more of just sounding boards, I think, for them to another another person to bounce ideas off of because lots of the clients I'm working with, they're, you know, single business owners. They don't have, right. other than their wives and husbands or what have you, to anyone to, to bounce ideas off. And most of the time they've got no interest and no experience. So it's just, and that's why, you know, I, I like, I, I like not to refer my, to myself as a business coach because I just hate that kind of phrase. And I think also around, um, I don't know if it's the same around, around where you are, but around here, I think that the, the word business coach and the job title business coach has lots of kind of negative things because lots of people will be trained to become a business coach, but none of them have actually ever run a business themselves. Right. So they go around, you know, charging extortionate fees and you know, people charging thousands of pounds per month for a phone call every month or so, you know, something really, really, I feel is extortionate. And, um, but they've never run a business and yet actually someone like myself who's been there and done that and i'm not saying i know all the answers i definitely don't know and i'm very open to say i'm completely winging this all the time and i've no clue what i'm doing <laughs> but uh, but again i think pre people appreciate the honesty and it, it's not that i'm coming to them with the answers it's that hey here's my opinion this is what i would do and you know i, I do still kind of treat all of my clients and, and and anyone i talk to really is you know what would i genuinely do if i was in their position how would i deal with that or treat it and and here's you know things that i would do again in future if, if i was to do it and you know lessons learned and all those kind of things so it's not really a a coaching plan unless someone really wants to be coached it's more just kind of a, a friendly face to, from somebody who's i haven't grown a massive business it's been like 16 16 staff at the point that we sold and over a million turnover so it's kind of we've hit those magic numbers that you know everyone aspires to hit when they first start right. their business so i thought hey actually you know if if i can help the, the startups or the people that are growing and maybe i can help grow into a, you know, a few million turnover um then we'd love to help and very um very selfishly for me it's uh it's really fun because it's all the fun stuff of you know strategy and building the business and growing and marketing and structure and all those kind of things with with none of the stress of customers and staff and legals and financials and all that other stuff that you have to do. So it's exactly. nice to kind of leave that at the end of the call. <laughs> so um, is LinkedIn the easiest place to get a hold of you or at uh, your website? LinkedIn's easiest. I do have a website. It's going going to be going through some changes because I've got some coaching stuff that's going to be merged with it. So um, LinkedIn's easiest. I'm, I'm generally all over LinkedIn. I'm getting a bit quiet nowadays because I'm enjoying my semi-retirement a bit too much um, but yeah if, if you want to contact me it's on linkedin very cool and uh do you spend a lot of time on the on the analytics within uh youtube do you like more so. around and see you know oh i did this video and you know like everybody dropped off after a minute three or you know any of that kind of stuff exactly that and actually it's interesting because now my my youtube channel has different goals now than it did obviously when we were running the business because when we're running the business you're putting out content that you know your exact specific audience you know who you're targeting you know all those personas that you kind of vision when you're doing your google ads and all those kind of things 
So I knew that even if we were only attracting one or two subscribers a month or a week, or you know, even if we only had 50 subscribers to our channel, that's still a big room to talk in. So there's still people that are interested in, in knowing what you know. But now it's really focused towards, um, you know, most people that become a YouTuber and want to grow their channel, it's, it's subscribers. So now it's looking at subscribers. What's attracting people? Yeah, like you say, where in the videos are they dropping off? What are the topics that, that are kind of attracting more traffic? And it's it's basically what, what drives the traffic and what drives the growth and the subscriber numbers. It was very interesting because very recently, I think three weeks ago, maybe I posted a video that was about the five reasons not to buy an Oculus Quest 2. So it's one of these VR headsets that you put on right. and um, five reasons not to buy. And they weren't like real big showstoppers. It was just that they'd move a few buttons around and it was a bit awkward to adjust and those kind of things. But I thought, hey, let's let's go with it and see how it goes. And that had 50,000 views within a few days. And my videos normally get a few hundred views within a few days. So it was a massive, massive difference. Um, lots of very, very negative comments on there. I had a death threat that was on there as well, which really? um, I removed very quickly. It was just, it's just the audience because, I, and I think this is, it's generally what it came down to is that it was a video about Oculus Quest talking about some negatives on it when there's a lot of very young children and young people that probably shouldn't have YouTube accounts or anything on social media accounts at all. And then there's a, it's interesting because you're reading a thread of comments on there. It's like, my dad's going to buy it for me for Christmas. Yep, I've asked my mom and there's loads of these comments on there. So I've obviously upset a lot of young people <laughs> talking trash about the thing that they, they really, really want. And um, But the funny thing is that because everyone's been commenting about how you know, bad I am at making videos and how all the stuff I'm talking about is useless and isn't real, they've now paid for my Oculus Quest in the uh, the YouTube AdSense that I'm getting out of it. So the joke's on them. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's it is so interesting that you know I try not to be a review channel, but every time I put up a review, like my biggest video of all time is you know my server, like when I put together this last you know HP Cube, right, one of the little micro servers. I'm like, okay, let me just show how this works. And I did like this three video thing. And one of those just popped, right? And it's because every time somebody does a search for that, they sit and watch X percent of that long video. And as a result, you know, it does whatever the uh, metrics need to have <laughs> happen mm. on YouTube. Um, but those kinds of reviews and of course, how to anything, you know, uh, if you are trying to figure out how to get that back panel off your car that you just can't even find where it's attached. YouTube has the answer. <laughs> so, so, uh, I always yeah, found the Versus ones worked well for me. That's what lots of my traffic comes from. You know, cloud storage, you know, Google versus Apple versus Microsoft. It's, right. it's those kind of videos that perform well over time. And actually, I'm probably due to make the 2021 20, version of most of those videos now, which is pretty good because that's now sort of about my next year's calendar of content i need to make <laughs> well uh, just if you're gonna do product reviews you know christmas is coming up so i think christmas mm. will be done by the time this airs but <laughs> we'll see uh, uh <laughs> you know the, it, this is just you know it's one of those things where if you can mix in just enough of that to get the viewers and then they stick with it then that's mm. all good so and, and with youtube particularly when you start focusing on youtube as a as a business, I guess, if you look at it from that sense, there's so many revenue streams that come into it. And, and, and this is where my, my interest has kind of been, been drawn to because yes, you get YouTube ad revenue, which most people say it's you know, very small and grows very slowly and isn't a huge amount, but you can tie that in with affiliate revenue. I, I did a review of the, the, the monitor that I'm using now. It's a 49 inch Samsung G9 monitor, whatever it was. I literally did a review on that and an unboxing and setup and those kind of things. 
whether it was just the Black Friday traffic, or I think it, it might have spiked a few days before that, but I've sold about 20 of those through my affiliated link on, on Amazon. Nice. And that's, it's not worth a huge amount. It's worth a few hundred, you know, a few hundred dollars or something, but just still, you can see how quickly it can scale and grow. And I've seen so many stories of people that have, you know, earning a thousand dollars in the first month that have jumped to 10,000 in the second month have jumped to 50,000 in the third month. It's just absolutely crazy how quickly it can grow. So that's quite attractive to me because, Hey, you can have a job for just making videos about fun stuff. Well, the, the irony of the 21st century is that one of the fastest growing groups of videos on YouTube is how to get more followers on YouTube, right? Those are always, you know, huge audience, lots of views. And, you know, so you're watching some like 12 year old tell you, you know, her secrets of growing her YouTube channel to 7 million viewers. <laughs> oh, well, Which is frustrating because we you're sat there trying to put out valuable content and it's, it's difficult not to be uh, attracted to trying to do those kind of videos. And actually I did put out one of those videos that was just, you know, if you are focusing on video for your business and video growth on YouTube, then here's some things that I did, but I'm, I'm trying to avoid that whole thing. Cause I don't want to just attract that. that that's just a different audience. Okay. I, I have nothing against it. I, I wish you all the luck. In the world. <laughs> all righty. Well, Pete Matheson, thanks for uh, joining us today. I appreciate it. And we'll put all the links down below in the show notes and uh, send people your way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All righty. This has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.